0: Welcome to Practical Christian Living.
1: If you are in a church where you cannot believe what is being taught from the pulpit, get out of there. If you are at a church that is teaching you that God wants you to be rich, I'm not saying he wants you poor, I don't know what God wants for you. But if you are at a church where you are being taught that God wants you rich, then
0: get out of that church. Our faith is precious to Jesus. The Bible says faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. But faith can be misunderstood and worse yet, it can be abused by those who are supposed to be nurturing it. Today on Practical Christian Living, we're looking at what faith is and what it is not and a stern warning to avoid the false teachings of what's known as the faith movement with Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43, and Jesus' appointments to heal a woman and a father's little girl. Here's Robert Furrow.
1: We are in our Jesus appointment series. We're taking a look through the Bible Uh, during this time when we've got the kids in the room with us. We want to welcome you. Welcome those of you that are watching online as well, our online campus, that we are covering these appointments uh, because they give us some really good interactions and lessons. And this one really is about faith. We see Jairus, a religious ruler, who needs a miracle. And we see a woman who is on the opposite end of the spectrum and she needs a miracle as well. And both of them go to Jesus and both of them receive miracles from them. And they go by faith. And there's a lot about faith that is misunderstood for one very specific reason. But I want us to think about faith in the beginning of this study. And I would like to consider three things to help us understand it better. Number one, stop listening to the false teachings of the faith movement. say it again. Stop listening to the false teachings of the faith movement. They call themselves the faith movement, but what they say faith is, is not what the Bible says faith is. They use faith as some kind of a mystical power that you need to get more of. And if you get enough of it, then you will never have a problem. You will never have a difficulty. You will not be sick. You will be rich. You have all of the money that's on all of the, you know, God owns all the cattle on all the hills. You're the king's kid. God wants you to be rich. God wants you to have nice cars. God wants you to. Now, and God may want you to be rich. God may want you to have a nice car. God does what God does with different people. But the Bible clearly says, if anybody teaches godliness as a means of financial gain, withdraw yourself from them. I attended a faith church for about three years when I was 19 and returned to the Lord until I was 21 years old. The church was not a faith movement church when I started going there, but then they moved into that direction. The uh, first time I ever heard it, I liked it. I was told God wanted me rich. And I thought, what a coincidence. I want to be rich and God wants me rich. This is good. I was told that God wanted me to drive a Cadillac or a Corvette. I have no problem with that. I like the Corvette better than the Cadillac, but, you know, I'll I'll work down to the Cadillac if that's what God wants in my life. It had gone on to kind of lay out all of those things about what God wanted in my life for me to be rich and healthy and never be sick and all of those things. But as I drove home, you know how the Holy Spirit will bring back scriptures to you? So as I'm driving home, I'm thinking, I think the Bible says something about those teaching to be rich. And I went home and I found 1 Timothy chapter 6 where it said, if, those, if there are those teaching godliness as a means of financial gain, withdraw yourself from them. For godliness with contentment is great gain. So when we have godliness, we are to be content where we are. And um, I was driving home in my 1972 Vega when God spoke those words to me.
0: <laughs>
1: eh. <laughs> faith is the means by which we get what God wants for us. That's my definition of faith. Faith is the means by which we get what God wants for us. Faith is not the means by which we get whatever we want. And there's a big difference between those. And I can tell you also that what God wants for you in the long run is far greater than what you might want for you. You might want temporary things. You might want physical things. You might want things of this world. You might want relationships. I had a friend of mine in that same church under those teachings. We were taught that that you had to claim things, that you had to be positive about it, that you had to believe things, that you couldn't do any negative confessions. If your back hurt, you couldn't tell people my back hurts, you were taught making your own existence and that we could make our own reality by speaking things into existence. It's kind of like the positive movement, like motivational speakers that's dressed up in Christianity. It looks a little Christian, but the underlying message is the whole motivational, be positive, speak your own existence, make your own way. It's that exact same message, which, by the way, is a bunch of hooey. It's not the message of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but he we were taught that we could claim things. You know, I claim that car. I claim that house. I claim, you know, whatever. In the name of Jesus, I claim it. So he claimed a girl. He figures, you know, they're teaching that She's beautiful. I claim her. She's my wife in the name of Jesus. He kept claiming her when she began to date someone else. He kept claiming her when she got engaged to somebody else. He had claimed her when she was walking down the aisle and thought something was going to happen and they were not going to get married. And he was utterly shocked when the pastor said, I now pronounce you husband and wife. (laughs) See, he believed what was being taught from the pulpit. And hopefully you can. If you are in a church where you cannot believe what is being taught from the pulpit, get out of there. If you are at a church that is teaching you That God wants you to be rich. I'm not saying he wants you poor. I don't know what God wants for you. But if you are at a church where you are being taught that God wants you rich, then get out of that church. God will take care of us. God will provide for us. Those are all promises. I know God wants to take care of me. He told me not to worry about what I eat, drink or wear. He told me not to worry about what I need because God knows what I need. I'm not saying God isn't going to meet your needs. I'm not saying God isn't going to take care of you. I'm saying God's not going to give you your wants. He's going to give you your needs. Stop believing the teachings of the faith movement. They teach that you need more faith, that you need to get more faith. You got a faith container inside of you and the more faith you have, the better you are that you got to fill that faith container. And if you are sick or something horrible happens to you, you don't have enough faith. And it is so damaging. We have had people that have come to our church out of those faith movement churches because, well, one of them had Lou Gehrig's disease. My dad died of Lou Gehrig's disease when I was a teenager. He had Lou Gehrig's disease and he was shamed in that church. He was told, if you had enough faith, you wouldn't be in that wheelchair. And every time he came into that church, people kept telling him, let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. And he wasn't healed. God did not have a healing for him. And I'm not saying God doesn't heal. God does heal today. But God did not have a healing for him. And he came here and he finished the time that he had with the church and with the Lord here with us. So the first thing you need to stop doing is stop listening to false teachings about faith. And there there are a bunch of them out there. It is the largest false teaching in the world today. There is not one that is any more prevalent than this one. Number two, you need to, to know what the Bible says about faith. The Bible tells us a couple of things. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more I hear the Word of God, the more I learn the Word of God, the more I read the Word of God, the more I'm going to have opportunities to have faith. Because faith is the means by which we get what God wants for us. The way we learn what God wants for us is by reading the Word of God. For example, the Bible says, I desire that all would be saved and all would come to the knowledge of the truth. It says that not once, it says it twice. God desires that all would be saved and all would come to the knowledge of the truth. So I know one thing that God wants for you. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to come to the knowledge of the truth. So you now trust him to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants it for you. By faith, you receive it. There's a passage in Proverbs that says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. That's the promise. God will direct your path. Here's what I know. I know God wants to direct your paths. God doesn't want you wandering blindly through life. He wants to direct you. By faith now, how do you get it? You trust in the Lord with all of your heart. You say, you know what? I don't trust in the world. I don't trust in money. I don't trust in politics. I don't trust in, in what other people say, but I trust in the Lord with all my heart. I don't lean on my own understanding because sometimes the things that, God wants you to do, you don't understand. You don't understand why he does something or why he wants you to do something. So you don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. Lord willing, I'm going to go here and there and do this. You acknowledge God in all your ways. God's, God's got my life in his hands. I'm acknowledging him in everything. And then He'll direct your path. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I learn from the word of God, the promises that God wants for me. And then I can ask him for him. I can do the things that it says to do to be able to receive them. The second thing the Bible says about faith is that we receive from God through faith and patience. By faith and patience, we receive the promises of God. The Bible is full of thousands of promises. And it's by faith that we trust him that we do the things that are said there, and it's by patience. Which means, you know, I wish it said this. I wish it said, by faith and immediately we receive the promises of God. Because I don't like to wait. But God says, by faith and patience you receive the promises of God. That means the promises that God has given you, and they're on their way, you don't have yet. That means that there's things coming that you're going to receive by faith, but you've got to be patient. You don't have them yet. There's things in my life that God wants for me and I don't have them yet, but through faith and patience, I have to uh, receive the promises of God. Sometimes we bail out. Sometimes things get harder. Through faith and patience, we receive the promises of God. The third thing we need to do first is to stop listening to false teachings about faith. Second is to know what the Bible has to say about faith. And third, we need to know how faith works. How does faith work? Jesus said to his disciples regularly, Oh, you of little faith. He said it to Peter when Peter walked on the water. I got to think that there's only two people that ever walked on water, Peter and Jesus. And when Peter walks on water, you think that he would go, good job, Peter. Next time, let's go a little further. You're one of only two people in the entire world to ever walk on water. I've tried, by the way. I can't do it. He only of two people. What does he say to Peter? Get back in the boat, Peter. Oh, you of little faith. Choose him out. He says to his disciples on several other occasions, "O, you of little faith. One time as he's talking about what God's doing, the disciples say, Lord, increase our faith. And Jesus says, have I been with you for so long and still you do not understand? If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to them, this mountain be removed and cast into the sea. The false teachings of the faith movement tell you you've got to get more faith. You've got a faith container inside of you. That if you have a baby, you play, this is back in cassette tapes, you play a cassette tape in their crib and they'll, they'll get faith. Faith will get in that faith container of theirs and they will be a person full of faith. That's, Jesus said, have you been with me this long, you don't understand? If you have faith the size of a mustard seed. It's not about getting more faith. When he says, oh, you have little faith, he's saying use the faith that you have. He talked about some people that had great faith. We'll see that in our appointments. We'll see some that have great faith. But he said often, you know, you owe you of little faith. And then if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you're gonna see things happen. Let me give you an example to help you understand what the Bible says, is saying here. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith the children of Israel kept the Passover, okay? That's where they killed the lamb, smeared the blood on their doors, and the death angel passed over. And their firstborn wasn't killed, but the firstborn of Egypt was killed, okay? So you got two guys. They're living next door. The first guy has no confidence at all. The first guy barely believes God at all. He's just all—he's the guy that's why I was like, I don't know if God's going to do what God said he's going to do. I don't really know. I have a hard time believing him. I'm not really a person of faith. I don't really believe it. And now he wants me to kill my pet lamb and smear its blood on the doors. And isn't that gross? Neighbors are going to see the blood on my door. They're going to think those bloody Jews, this is all, I can't believe it. And so, but he says, but I kind of like my firstborn. <laughs> so I'm going to do it. And the guy may be even a little angry when he does it. Killing the poor little lamb. And how disgusting smearing the blood on the doorpost. And I don't even think this is going to work anyway. And then you go next door. This guy's completely different. This guy fears God greatly. This guy believes God. Everything God says. He's got great confidence in what God says. And when, when, when Moses said, go home, kill the lamb, smear the blood on your door, and the death angel will pass over, he was like, I'm there. He walked into that house and without a thought took that lamb and slaughtered it, took that blood and smeared it and then had a meal with his family just as Moses had told him to do because he believed God. He didn't have any doubt. He was massively confident in what he did. Such a, such a radical difference than this guy over here who barely believes, this guy over here who doesn't have any confidence. Now, that night, the death angel passed over both of those men's houses. Which one of them had their oldest child saved. (laughs) Both of them. The person that barely had any faith and the person who had great faith. Both of them. No wonder Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you'll move mountains. It doesn't matter if you're struggling, if you're doubting, if you're not confident, if you end up doing it and believing it. If you end up doing what the word of God says, you're going to receive it. Even if you're a person with very weak faith, you can do as much as a person with great faith. Because the power isn't in the amount of faith you have. The power is in who you put your faith in. Right? Right. So that's how faith works. Stop believing the false teachings of the faith movement. Learn what the Bible has to say about faith and learn how faith works that you might receive everything that God has for you. And so we now have an account that teaches us a lot about faith. Mark five, twenty-one. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea. A great multitudes, this is early in the ministry of Jesus, You can divide Jesus' ministry into two different sections, one where he had great crowds following him and one where he didn't. The crowds will leave him eventually. This is early on in his ministry, and there are great crowds following him. And then it says, and behold, which this is a, this is a phrase that we don't have anything like it in English today. It tells you something really, really amazing is going to happen. That what's going to happen doesn't happen every day. I might say, I'm telling you a story, and I might say something like, and you would never believe this. That's kind of the same thing. You know, and you would never believe this, but this happened. That's what and behold means. So it's like, it's like, hold on to your seats, folks. Buckle up. Because you're going to hear something here that's strange. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came to Jesus by name, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. That's a behold moment. This is in Capernaum and Jesus has had three, no less than three, maybe more negative interactions with the rulers in the synagogue in Capernaum. One of them was with the man with the withered hand. Remember, Jesus said as Jesus was there, the rulers of the synagogue looked at him and Jesus looked at them with anger and he stood up and he said, is it right to do good or evil on the Sabbath day? Then he had the man with the withered hand stand up and come forward and he healed him and they left and thought about how they could destroy him. That's Jairus. But behold, he comes before Jesus and he falls down at his feet and he worships him and begged him earnestly saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. There's a crisis in his life. His little girl was sick and dying and that drove him to Jesus. This proud man, this enemy of this young rabbi Can you imagine how much it took for Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, a ruler in the synagogue? No doubt he was older. You don't achieve that position of being a ruler, most often as a young man. And he went and he knelt down on the ground in front of this 30-year-old itinerant preacher and begged him to come to his house because his need was great. So when Jesus went with him, a great multitude followed and thronged him. I take it thronged, it just means Closing in around him, right? They were all touching him. He was close by. They weren't social distancing for sure. (laughs) Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for about 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. For 12 years she had suffered. For 12 years she had spent all her money on physicians, and now she was getting worse. She was unclean when a woman is on that time of month. I'm in trouble figuring out exactly how I should say that. Um, She's considered to be unclean in the law. This woman has had a flow of blood for 12 years. She's an outcast. She's lost all her money. She suffered greatly. The last 12 years have been miserable years for her. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd, and she touched his garment. Another one of the Gospels tells us she touched the hem of his garment. For she said, if I can only touch his clothes, or if I can only touch his hem, I will be made well. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Now, there's nothing mystical about this. Some try to say that this is how faith works, that if I want to get something, That I got to sneak up on God and I got to reach out and touch him and get what I want from God. And he doesn't even have to be involved in it because Jesus, he didn't say woman be healed. He just felt the power leave him. And so if you want to get something from God, then you just got to get up there and touch him. And and, and you're going to get whatever you want. Jesus doesn't even need to want it for you because you can just get up and touch it. Can I say it again? False teaching. That is the false teaching of the faith movement. I don't know whether or not they're false teachers. That would mean that I would be making a judgment about the individual, that they weren't genuinely called by God. I have no idea. But I can identify false teaching. And it's a false teaching to say, we're gonna sneak up on God and get what we want from him even when God doesn't want it for us. How utterly, absolutely, totally ridiculous. Can I say that any stronger? Is there any way that I, you're like, just tell us how you really feel, Robert. Okay, I will. Um, But what this does tell us is that when we go to Jesus, that the point of faith may be different. For Jairus, it it was worshiping and asking. For the woman, it was reaching up and thinking, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. The point of going to Jesus might be different. For the thief on the cross, it was remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And we could go on and we could look at all the people that received things from Jesus. For the paralyzed man, it was his four friends that lowered him in front of Jesus. The point of contact, the point of faith was the friends, not him. And so Jesus said, the faith of your friends has made you well. It's about coming to Jesus. It's not about sneaking up on him. It's not about trying to do something God doesn't want to do for you. Getting some kind of arm lock on God. Look at what happens now. Immediately the fountain of blood stops. And Jesus, immediately knowing that in himself the power had gone out from him, turned around to the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Now, I I don't know about Jairus. His daughter's dying. Jesus is on his way. The crowd's thronging him. I'm probably already impatient. Jairus may have been a much more patient man than me. The crowd's thronging and I would be like, let's go, let's go. Daughter's dying. And then when Jesus stops and says, who touched me? And there's all kinds of people touching him. I'm like, come on. (laughs) And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing that it had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Note the way it's worded here. Told him the whole truth. How long did it take her to tell him that? What was Jairus going through? Maybe he's running his fingers through his hair. Maybe he's pacing impatiently. But she's telling the whole truth. She might have been one of those people that can tell a story, a good story quick. I had a flow of blood for 12 years. I heard that you were healing people. I thought all I needed to do is touch the hem of your garment and I would be healed and I am. That's all she needed to say. That's the whole truth. But maybe she was like some people I know. You guys know anybody that can't tell a fast story? They could not tell a a good, quick story if their life depended on it. I don't know if this woman was like that, maybe she was. Maybe she decided to go into all of the details, everything that was there. But I gotta imagine that Jairus is just seeing this delay and thinking how awful it is. And so Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace. Jesus confirms this is what he wanted for her. Faith never gets us anything Jesus doesn't want for us, ever.
0: Pray that the Lord is speaking to you in a personal way here at Practical Christian Living. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com.